whatever you have in your mind about a traditional stereotypical Indian woman, you can throw that out of the window because I am here to win. Welcome to episode 24 of This Is You podcast. This is Scott Stewart and Carol Yu. You just heard a clip from when today's guest, Mani Chauhan, competed on Iron Chef America. She is an intrepid competitor, having made hundreds of appearances as a contestant and a judge on the Food Network. This woman is a passionate and determined restaurateur, mother, wife, and celebrity chef. But first, today is all about fruits, nuts, and flakes. Oh, so we're going to talk about your relatives again, Carol? (laughs) No, we're talking about cereal. Scott, what kind of cereal did you used to eat for breakfast? Well, Carol, we only were allowed to eat healthy cereal. So, hmm, let me think about that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we had Fruit Loops, which was filled with fruit. We had Captain Crunch, which was filled with crunchy pieces of an old salty captain. And Lucky Charms, they were my favorite because they were magically delicious. I'll make a bridge and run away. I actually have a quick story about that. Gord, my BFF growing up, we used to go roller skating. And after roller skating, we would go to Miracle Mart, which was a grocery store. At 1 a.m., we would buy a large box of Lucky Charms, and then we would come home and eat them at our dining room table. And we would eat the whole box right before we went to bed. Then I would have nightmares of leprechauns chasing me into the wee hours of the morning. Wow. The other crazy thing about cereal and me when I was a kid, my dad used to do the food shopping. So when we went to the store, my brothers and I, we would leave my dad and we would go around to the cereal aisle and we would just look at the best prizes in all the cereal boxes and we would actually open up the cereal boxes and grab out the prizes. I remember one time we got caught by the manager doing this. I think someone squealed on us. The manager came rolling down the aisle and started yelling at us and then like gave us one of these, hey, where's your parents? And then we had to tell her dad and he wasn't too happy. Anyway, we got some pretty cool prizes that day. You know, I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot that there were prizes in cereal boxes because I don't know if they do that anymore. So what kind of prizes would you get? Well, I remember one time we got a lawnmower and another time we got a skidoo. <laughs> wow, that was pretty amazing. Well, you know, we used to have Raisin Bran, Cheerios and Corn Flakes. Pretty boring, actually. No, not at all. <laughs> I think the purpose in our house for cereal was fiber ingestion. We also had a bag of prunes in the refrigerator door for emergencies. We'd always have a bowl of cereal with milk, a tiny four ounce glass of orange juice, and a piece of toast with butter and jam. But sometimes we'd have our dad's homemade yogurt. So, Scott, what do you think are some of the highest sugar content cereals out there? Oh, uh, I don't know, Carol. I'm going to go with uh, oatmeal. Oh, no, wait, sorry. I've actually got a list in my hand of percentage of sugar in certain cereals. And let's go to my favorites here. First off, we've got Fruit Loops, which is 41% sugar. Mm, now I know why I liked it so much. And Me Lucky Charms, also 41%. Corn Pops, we ate a lot of those, 41%. Where's Captain Crunch? Ooh, he's one percentage up at 42 points. Apple Jacks, ate a lot of those at 43%. And Fruit Loops with marshmallows. Yeah, I think we used to have those, and those were 48%. But here's one we used to have all the time, and I don't know what it was, but we always had a ton of energy after we ate this cereal. They're called Honey smacks and they're 56% sugar. I guess that honey smacks you in the face. I guess so. (laughs) 
I remember we would travel a lot. We would go to New Zealand every summer. The stewardess would roll by with her cart and offer us little tiny boxes of cereal. Each of those boxes would have a letter H that was perforated. And so we would punch that out and then we would open and peel apart the wax paper inside and pour the milk into the box. I always thought that was so cool that you could turn your box into a bowl. So what if your family is addicted to sugar cereals? To choose more nutrient-rich cereal, look for one that's... 100% whole grain. Look for the 100% whole grain stamp on the box or look for whole wheat, whole oats, or another whole grain listed first on the ingredients list. Aim for at least three grams of fiber per one cup serving. Look for as little added sugar as possible. One of my favorites is shredded wheat. It also has very little sodium, rare for a ready-to-eat cereal. If your cereal has added sugar, make sure the sugar content is no more than double the fiber content. There will be a quiz on this. For example, if it has four grams of fiber per serving, look for no more than eight grams of sugar on the nutritional facts panel. If you and your kids already eat sugary cereals and don't want to give them up, Eat it in smaller bowls with smaller utensils. Better yet, mix them with lower or no sugar cereals. You'll get used to the taste if you give it some time. Or just tell your kids no. Today, we welcome Manit Chohan. Manit was born in Ludhiana, Punjab, India. She went to the Welcome Group Graduate School of Hotel Administration in India. After asking her professor what the best cooking school in the world was, she went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, and got her associate's degree in baking and pastry. True, and I might add, that's where Dara, our daughter, is going for the exact same degree. Manit graduated the top of her class with high honors sweeping all awards. Right after graduation, she was hired as management for a startup restaurant in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where she headed a team and expanded the restaurant's capacity from 70 seats to 140 seats. By 2003, at the age of 27, she became the opening executive chef of Vermilion in Chicago, Illinois earning her three stars from the Chicago Tribune. A few years later, in 2007, she moved to New York City to open Vermilion, where she was nominated as the best import to New York by Time Out magazine. Her style is described as global fusion with roots in Indian cuisine. Manit has been on Food Network for 12 years, starting as one of the original judges of Chopped. She is not only a full-time judge, she also competes on the network. She is the only Indian female ever to compete on Iron Chef. She has made numerous guest appearances on TV and at the top food and wine festivals around the world. You'd think she would be busy enough as a judge and a competitor, but she also has Morph Hospitality Group and four restaurants in Tennessee. If you want to check them out, she has her signature Chohan Ale and Masala House, Mockingbird, which is a Southern American restaurant, Tansuo, a contemporary Chinese restaurant, and Chatable, Indian street food. Yep. This superhero has cookbooks, a family, husband, and the tagline, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Welcome, Manit, to This Is You podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. We are too. 
So first question, when you are judging on Chopped, you are among a group of nine highly esteemed chefs from a wide variety of backgrounds. Which judge have you learned the most from? I have learned from each and every judge. You know, um, uh, my first episode ever, I judged with Scott and Chris. Mm-hmm. So both of them do have a very special place in my heart because, you know, right. you're the first time you're on the sets and they were really kind and, uh, you know, in teaching me the ropes. But each and every judge uh, has such a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And I have learned so much from everyone. And not only the people who you see in the front, but also the people behind uh, the cameras, right? Mm-hmm. right. Uh, the directors, the producers, the, uh, you know, the, the culinary team, everybody, there is so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And after 12 years, it's still, you know, you still walk out learning something new every day. Mm-hmm. Right, right. In the movies, they always have an alien morph into a human being. If an (laughs) alien came from another world and morphed into you, what would be the one piece of advice that the alien would need in order to become you? Oh my God, that is such a fun question. I love it. Uh, I think one one piece of advice uh, I would give the alien is live in the moment. Don't think of the past. Don't think of uh, the future. Live in the moment and enjoy it to the nth degree. Ah, That's excellent. excellent. Okay, gossip, 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 <laughs> gossip. Gossip, gossip, gossip. We love gossip. We love gossip. So <laughs> I know that chop judges hang out outside of the show tapings. I know that you go to food and wine festivals. So how much alcohol is involved? And give us some juicy, juicy gossip. Uh, you know what? The sad part is we do not hang out as much as we could uh, or we should because right now life has kind of gotten in the way. Right. Uh, I have moved out of New York. So I only travel, uh, uh, you know, I'm in Nashville right now. So I only travel when there are food and wine festivals or when there uh, is, uh, you know, when I'm shooting. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott has also moved out. Chris has moved out. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Arun has moved out. So Initially, we used to, Ted used to give these epic parties in his Mm. house. He's got an amazing townhouse and all of us would get food and show up over there. Um, And this was everybody front, back, uh, you know, like, uh, I keep on referring to everything as restaurants, front of the house and back mm-hmm. of the house. But yeah. it's like, you know, people in front of the camera and uh, behind the camera. Um, and yeah, of course, there's alcohol involved. No questions about it. That's what <laughs> makes it fun. But you know what? Uh, there is such an amazing amount of camaraderie mm-hmm. um, among all of us. We spend so much time pulling each other's leg. Um, <laughs> yeah. I my leg is pulled on a regular basis <laughs> for my V's and my W's. Uh, uh, okay. And uh, and I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And you guys are just, you know, jealous of my sexy accent. Yes, so, true. So we keep on. So, so that is what it is. It is constant. But even on the sets, we constantly keep on pulling each other's leg. We are like siblings, mm. right? Like all of us are, there is no person who is spared. What about any practical jokes? Is anyone pulling practical jokes on set? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we were doing chopped sweets and I am petrified of snakes. And um, oh. Scott, 
it's got uh, like there was a gummy um there was a gummy and i i was stupid enough to tell him i'm like hey scott i'm really afraid of snakes oh, don't yeah. i don't bad want move. to see this oh bad move right he was he was running after me with this big <laughs> six foot gummy <laughs> snake oh. <laughs> yeah uh it's funny right now and then he keeps on sending me these like on on facebook they are you know and I, and then of course i'm stupid enough to tell him i'm like oh my god one of my biggest fears is you know i go to the restroom and there's a snake in the pot and he sent me uh like a facebook video of that and i'm like i hate you i hate you <laughs> you should tell him you're afraid of money oh yeah that's a great idea he'll only send me photographs of it that's all oh, right 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 it would be the real thing right so what is the best thing about belonging to the food network work family you know i think the best thing is you know when you're born into a family yeah. that's what you've got right mm-hmm. uh, people look at you uh, like i am obsessed with food i probably am the only person in my family who's obsessed with food and i live breathe uh, i used to go to my neighbors houses when i was kids and tell them that my parents hadn't fed me that was after dinner uh, <laughs> and people would look at me completely like like she's crazy like right. this kind of food obsession is not healthy right. but when you are in the food and wine uh, uh, you know this the food network family everybody is as obsessed with food as you are yeah. so that connection is so amazing that just the fact that you can have an easy conversation about food the underlying respect for food the underlying respect for each other's craft mm-hmm. is what makes it an amazing synergy right. uh, so any time that all of us are sitting in a room uh, you know it's it's crazy there there are no filters and it's just mm. so fun right. so fun Sounds fun. So what was the one dish on chopped that your brain and your tongue got into the biggest fight over? Oh my god. Brain and tongue. Um you know what I there was a um okay the first time that i ever uh, tried or heard of the rocky mountain oysters mm. was on was on chopped. <laughs> and my mind was like oh god no i'm just not going to try this this yeah. is not going to happen <laughs> and i still remember that the um the chefs the competitors had made some had made an amazing dish i think on the plancha it was seared there was some barbecue sauce i don't even remember it but my mind was my mind was like no 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 don't do this money <laughs> don't do this and my tongue was like ah oh, this actually kind of works in a weird way. <laughs> so yeah, that is that's one of the things that I remember. Right. There have been so many of those like, you know, we're sitting at the, at the judges table and we're like, "Oh no, what are they doing?" And, then, <laughs> and the dish comes in front of you and you're like, "Huh, oh, this actually works. I mm. might just steal this." Yeah. <laughs> We are naming you the queen of multitasking. <laughs> you have four restaurants, two kids, a husband, and judge and compete on Food Network plus you're all that and a bag of chips there's no question here we just wanted to give you some props <laughs> thank you so much thank you very impressive i appreciate that i appreciate that so you did previously mention just now um that when you were a child growing up in northern india in the city of ranchi you cooked in neighbors houses and your own it seems like you were destined to become a chef what did you learn from your neighbors that was different from your own family cooking 
So um, I was born in Northern India, but Ranchi is in Eastern India. Ah, and my okay. dad, um, my dad, he was an engineer. So we lived in a community um, where there were people from all over India. Now, Indian cuisine is very diverse. Each and every state has a very distinct cuisine of its own. Right. So um, I grew up in a predominantly Northern Punjabi household. So the food that we used to eat was completely different from what my neighbors who were from southern india mm. or the other ne- neighbors who were from bengal uh, which is another state in eastern india or mm-hmm. western india like so it was so diverse so to me the biggest lessons which i learned other than the practical of you know the different spices or different oils or different ingredients right what i learned was a very important life lesson which was that um, food is the biggest connector of all times mm-hmm. yeah. you know they, they were there were some neighbors who didn't speak Uh, Hindi or English as well as uh, I did Mm -hmm. you know they spoke their regional language but I still connected with them on food Uh, you know and this is something which I realized that food breaks all barriers I can walk up to somebody and just even somebody who I don't know and I can have a conversation with them Mm -hmm. based on the fact that we're talking about food right right and that is an important important and the other thing which I learned was that any cuisine around the world needs to be respected. Your mm. cuisine is not the best, right. Mm-hmm. right? Each and every cuisine is on the same plane. So respect is very important. Right. Okay, now it's time to play Jerry Seinfeld asks you a question. <laughs> Raunchy, with one million people strong, has an international cricket center. What's the deal with cricket? Oh my God, cricket <laughs> is everything. Hello. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, baseball, which people are so crazy about. Yeah. It was it was inspired by cricket. Ah. I strongly believe that. Right. But um, I, I think, um, I mean, in India, uh, cricket is uh, is our, uh, you know, like the Super Bowl over here. That's right. the cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, all uh, the players are considered, uh, you know, gods. Right. It's one of our greatest Team building exercises. I still remember when I was doing my undergrad in India and there used to be these cricket matches, which they used to show on, you know, the small television, which we had, you know, the one television in our entire dorm. And we would be with steel plates and spoons and like just cheering our India team. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, cricket is that and all that. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your most embarrassing memory from your childhood? Oh God, my 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 life is filled with uh, embarrassing <laughs> memories, especially those that you can you, reveal. You you actually should be talking to my parents about it. They would be like, "How much time do you have?" I think this is the one that we're looking forward to put on TMZ, though. Oh, fantastic! Uh, that being said, I just don't get embarrassed. I have done so many antics in life. I was the person. I, I was the kid who, um, as I was telling you, would go to my neighbors' houses, tell them that my parents hadn't fed me. There <laughs> are stories, apparently, that my mom, uh, she was getting me ready for a bath, and I ran out of the house without a stitch on me, running <laughs> through our entire neighborhood. Uh, there have been times that I have been on top of, uh, you know. 
trees, uh, mango tree, and I have had no idea how to get down. <laughs> um, so, I mean, my life has been, uh, let's say that I am the younger kid. And I, after I was born, both my parents, they must have spent a lot of time saying that she gets this from your side of the family. Right. And <laughs> I inspired them not to have any more kids. <laughs> after only a few seasons on Chopped, you were awarded the James Beard Foundation Broadcast Media Award. Who was the first person you told? Oh my God, no. I mean, Ted called us and told us, Ah. right? Because all of us got it. And Ted was the person, Ted and our uh, creator, you know, the the creator and uh, executive producer, Linda Lee and Vivian, they all, like, it was so exciting when when they send us, you know, they send us an email and then they called us and they're like, oh my God, this is what's going on. So like, it was, it was very exciting. Right. And then from there, who did you tell? Uh, I the first person I told was Vivek, uh, my husband. Ah, okay, yeah, very exciting. Girls, what? Yeah, it was <laughs> a very because that year we were also invited by the. Um, you know, uh, James Beard Foundation does the chefs and champagne um, in at the Hamptons, mm-hmm. and we we were honored. So we, uh, our daughter was three at that time, uh, and my mom was over here. So all of us went um, over there. It wow. was just incredible. It was amazing. How fun! Well, you have a cookbook, Flavors of the World. So it is a culinary tour through twenty five countries. So I would definitely love to see your passport stamps. What was the <laughs> most difficult cuisine to infuse with your Indian flair? I think Japanese food. Mm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because Japanese food is very, very, it's it's so, um, for the lack of a better word, pure. And mm-hmm. pure in the sense, I mean, is that they believe in using the the minimum amount of ingredients Mm -hmm. where Indian food is a complete paradox to Japanese. You're like, Oh, let's add this. Oh, let's add this. Mm -hmm. Oh, a little bit more of this, a little bit more masala. So that was one of the toughest for me to kind of, you know, kind of translate. But uh, you know, the fun part is that this is how all of us cook. We get inspired by different dishes all around the world. And then we go ahead and put our own twist on it, which Mm -hmm. makes it so, uh, which makes it, your own. And that is something which I tell everybody whenever people ask me for recipes, I'm like, I'll give you a recipe, but promise me that you'll make it your your own, put mm-hmm, your right. signature on it. Mm-hmm. And where can you get your cookbook? So it is available on Amazon and my next cookbook is coming. It is, uh, it's called Chaat. Chaat means, uh, translated from Hindi means to lick. Mm -hmm. And it's also the street foods of India. So it's a beautiful, Mm. we went to India for photography. It's coming out on October 6th. It is available for uh, pre-sale on Amazon. See Mm -hmm. my shameless pitch. No, please do. (laughs) It's such a beautiful book. It's organic. Uh, It's so much movement in all the pictures. uh, And um, I'm very proud of it. So a lot of our listeners, they hope to write a cookbook someday. Can you tell us a little bit about your recipe development process? So um, I am probably the worst person to come up with recipes because I'm a very <laughs> instinctive cook. Right. Uh, so over the years, what I have realized, especially in the restaurant also, if when we are looking at standardizing recipes, I can't be doing that, you know, put a handful of this or put a pinch yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. So whenever I do recipe uh, development, I, uh, you know, I make it a point that there is somebody who is with me, who is making it, a, who is measuring everything that I am doing. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, uh, you know, 
I have tried to do it myself, but then what happens is that I taste it and I'm like, oh, and I put some, you know, something else in it without realizing I am. So there has mm-hmm. to be, there has to be uh, um, an inspector who's making sure that I am not uh, going ahead and, um, you know, just doing what yeah. I want, like right. eyeballing everything. Um, so once we go ahead and do that recipe, then I send it to two other people who go ahead and... Um, make the recipes and make any comments or adjustments uh like even in terms of techniques or you know use a large pan use a small pan all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff so it really breaks it down oh yes absolutely you you've got to you've got to make it as foolproof as possible yeah so as exciting as it is to do the creative side you still have to have the technical side all written down and organized or it just gets way out of control absolutely i mean the thing is that uh, in a restaurant people come uh, to the restaurant because uh, some of them come to try new things, but there are some people who are, you know, creatures of habits. Right. Uh, they they want the chicken tikka masala and they want it to taste the way it is supposed to taste. Right. So so that that is you know uh, making sure that everything is standardized is very important. Right. Tell us about your favorite TV show growing up. Oh, my God. I grew up in a time in India where, uh, you know, there was only one channel. It was a government uh, controlled channel, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I still remember when we were very young, there wasn't a TV. And then there was a black and white small, those small tube TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Sunday mornings at nine o'clock, we used to really look forward because they used to show us Disney cartoons at that time. So Tom and Jerry was one of my... favorites and now (laughs) oh my god it's so fun right and now when I put the TV on for the kids and there's Tom and Jerry I'm like I don't care you've got to watch this because this is the best ever you've got to watch it and love it just like I did exactly exactly (laughs) and then you see like you know uh, like uh, they're fairly violent like like Tom Mm. oh yeah you know and and I'm like maybe I shouldn't be making them watch this they have bruises growing off the top of their heads or (laughs) running Running away and chasing each other with hammers, right? You know, right? Big thrown at each other, right? Right. Throwing, throwing fry pans, yeah. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. When I cook in our house, my guarantee is that it's fresh and it's organic. When Scott cooks in our house, his guarantee is that it's thirty minutes or it's free, meaning he orders pizza. So whose cooking do your kids like better, yours or your husband, Vivex? My husband's. Oh, really? Completely. Oh, why? yes. Uh, actually, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, Vivek is not around here. That's why I can say it. Uh, I also prefer his cooking. <laughs> oh, really? He, yeah. I mean, um, uh, he is. Uh, he takes his time when he's cooking. He mm-hmm. takes his own sweet time w- when he's cooking, and it it just it it makes me batshit crazy. I'm like, yeah. come on, move it. You need to put a big timer in the kitchen there when he's cooking. I know, I know. But now I think I've figured it out. It's been 13 years that I'm like, he's like, I'm going to cook dinner. I'm like, okay, I'll have it for lunch tomorrow, and I pour <laughs> myself a nice big glass of wine. But um, he puts so much of love and. Uh, you know, when they talk about slow cooking and braising, mm-hmm. he does he does a lot of that. So mm. there is you can taste that uh, in his food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the kids absolutely love that because to me, cooking in 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 my kitchen is pretty much it's commercial. 
you know, yeah. uh, because I cook for a living. So it's mm-hmm. all about speed. It's mm-hmm. all about I'm so it's so ingrained in me that I am always looking for ways to minimize time in cooking. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so so that's why uh, they prefer his cooking as much as it kills me to tell you that. <laughs> so you and Artie Sequera, who was on our podcast episode number 22, oh. have talked about having a joint show together. Can you tell us about that? Oh, my God. We we would love to. It's so funny. You know, we, we always, the number of people who confuse us is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it, you know, when I met Aarti, I was telling, I, I would tell her, I'm like, you know what, people confuse me uh, to be you. And she's like, you too. <laughs> they confuse <laughs> me to be you. I know how you feel because I get that a lot with Brad Pitt. People confuse me for Brad Pitt <laughs> all the time. You know what? I said yes to this podcast because I thought you were Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know but, but that's what that, that's what it's all about so we uh, you know we've got a common uh, you know a similar uh, history background mm-hmm. so yeah. when we meet our conversations are are so similar yeah. so we 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 have been talking about doing a show together we are hoping that you know it gets picked up mm-hmm. i think that would be excellent i think it would be a lot of fun because you know as much as we are alike we are so different in terms of you know our personalities uh, mm-hmm. Arti always says that if we ever do a show Manith would be the one who would be like oh that's the deep end let's jump into it and figure out how to swim <laughs> while Arti would be like no Manith I don't think we should do that <laughs> so um, so it, it would be it would be a lot of fun so right, let's right. see Let's see what um, life has in store for us I really hope that happens it would be a lot of fun I think there'd be a lot of laughing Me too me I, I agree There'll be a lot of laughing and a lot of uh, uh, Arti. She reminds me of my older sister mm. that uh, who, who kept on, who kind of kept me in check, uh, and she hasn't succeeded so far. So <laughs> let's see if Arti would be more successful in doing that. What questions should we have asked you that we haven't asked you? Oh my God! Like the alien question that you asked is a question which has never been asked before. <laughs> we could talk for hours because mm-hmm. there, there, there is so much. What's the one question? Um, I don't know. You guys ask some really amazing questions in these times of the pandemic that are happening. And your restaurants—you have four restaurants. What changes have your restaurants made because of the pandemic? You know, it was such a crazy time because the entire hospitality industry, we were in the front lines of mm-hmm. yeah. the first to fall, right? right. Uh, it was it was, it was, was crazy because we shut down our restaurants even before it was mandated. And the reason was we wanted to just make sure that everybody was safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I mean, it, it was a really, it's been an emotional time because we had to lay off more than 250 people. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I was like, you know, crying while I'm telling that and everybody is so understanding because they knew that there was no other option mm-hmm. um, but what what uh, I mean what we did was Vivek and I we just made it a point that uh, we got in touch with vendors we opened our kitchens we opened our walk-ins we were like guys take whatever you want because we just don't want anybody to be food insecure yeah. but there was a time that we had like 550 cases of food which were delivered to our parking lot and we were making sure that all 
hospitality workers or anybody who needed food came and helped themselves to right. food that's, that's wonderful and then right after that because we were such a small core team we started doing i think after two weeks we started doing uh, curbside pickups then we went on to uh, you know started with one restaurant then two then three then four uh, then we started doing two days each mm-hmm. uh, now we've uh, slowly started opening mockingbird was the first to open mm-hmm. then then we subsequently went uh, ahead and open the rest um, tanso is still doing curbside mm-hmm. we're not fully open it's a, it's a smaller place uh, but um, the uh, you know we're just looking very heavily to the uh, of, uh, you know to cdc and our local uh, government to give us guidelines um, there is you know alternate table seating because there is that six feet yeah, distance. Uh, distance there is sanitizer stations all over mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. hired one person in each and every restaurant who's just responsible for cleaning wow. that's their only job we uh, you know we are working with a local there is special chemicals um which uh, you know which uh, sanitizers which help us uh, you know kill covid um, mm-hmm. so uh, that we've done so yeah everybody is wearing masks everybody is wearing gloves mm-hmm. um and and it's so difficult in the kitchen to do the masks because it's so hot yeah. like right. the first day i was there i was like just like i was sweating head to toe because mm-hmm. it's so difficult but you've just got to do it because mm-hmm. it's not about you it's about your team it's about your guests the so, community yeah, we, mm-hmm. absolutely so we've just we're doing what we have to do mm-hmm. it's definitely challenging times tell us about your biggest challenge in life and how you overcame it I think my biggest challenge in life was fairly early on mm-hmm. um I must have been in my 11th or 12th grade in India and I had come from an all girls school to a co-ed school yeah. mm. and uh my toughest thing would be to stand in front of the class and even introduce myself wow right uh and I my dad who was a HR director he would stand in front of thousands of people and he would give presentations so one day i asked him i said how do you do it and he said he's like you know what pretend or act like you are confident and it will come to you yeah. so that was a very very uh you know i mean till date whenever i am on television or i have to go and do presentations etc or a podcast with Brad Pitt Exactly, especially <laughs> a podcast with Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm always worked up because I'm like what if something goes wrong or mm-hmm. what if I am if I don't give my best. And I just uh, I just remind myself I'm like, you know, pretend that you're confident and it will come to you and it does. So, yeah, that was one of my biggest personal challenges that I had to overcome. Okay. So, Alama once told us that you have the gift of storytelling. <laughs> Have you <laughs> have you ever thought of writing a children's book? My my daughter and I we talk about it a lot. We have our our most precious times are when we are uh, taking you know we are putting the kids to bed yeah. mm-hmm. and um it starts off with us telling stories and then we do a story game where i start a story with a sentence and then vivek takes it on and then the kids take it on mm. and it is so fun because mm-hmm. it is, you don't know you start with 
you know, Pachama the Lama in red pajamas. And then it goes all the way to uh, my, my daughter starts talking about fashion and the runway. And then <laughs> we go into food. And it's just, it's so incredible just to see their imaginations completely soar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my daughter and I have spoken about it. Um, and you never know. We would love to do that. Yeah. We'd love to read it. <laughs> Are there any times where you feel imposter syndrome? Uh, All the time. I mean, all the time I feel an imposter syndrome, but I don't let it, um, I don't let it overcome who I am, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because uh, people in general always question themselves. And so do I. Um, I have never questioned the amount of work I have put into where I am, Mm -hmm. because I'm a very hardworking person. I am uh, like, uh, right now, after this, I have, I'm I'm going to be recording, uh, you know, a show. Um, So I knew that that was it. So I was up at five this morning to have everything taken care of. Mm -hmm. So, so to me, I have never, ever underestimated the amount of work that I have done. But yeah, at times I do feel the imposter syndrome of, uh, oh my God, what if, like, should I be here or uh, what am I doing? Uh, Should somebody else have been here? Um, but yeah, but it, it gets over very, very, very fast because I, I convince myself I have a lot of conversations in my mind mm-hmm. that, you know what, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have worked hard enough. Mm-hmm. I continue working hard enough. I'm a good person. I take mm-hmm. care of my community. So yeah, so all of these conversations keep on happening. You know, there is that um, the angel with a halo on on, on one shoulder and, mm-hmm. and yeah. the devil with the horns on the other. And uh-huh. you just you just keep on having those conversations in your mind. Well, I'm glad the angel wins over because we we see you everywhere. And we're very, <laughs> very thankful that you have such a great uh, influence on all your community. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The community has a great influence on me. Mm-hmm. If you were running for the mayor of Nashville, what would you tell the voters you would fix about the city? I will never run for mayor. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I do not have any political uh, ambitions. No. Um, no, I don't. I, I love the city. I do understand that uh, what uh, the government officials face is very difficult. And mm-hmm. there are some things which um, which will take a long time in changing. But I have seen the city grow in front of me, uh, you know, become more and more diverse so yeah political conversations are conversations i don't i don't get into right. i know that i i know that the one thing that i have control over is myself mm-hmm. um and how i affect the environment around me by by positivity is mm-hmm. is the most that i can do and yeah. if anybody asks for help i'm always always there mm-hmm. um so yeah Excellent. Okay. What Indian dish or food have most Westerners never heard of, but really should know about? Oh my God, there's so many dishes. Mm. So, 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 so many dishes. (laughs) Tell Um, us. And they are, I mean, you'll read a lot of them in my book, but one, you know, each and every region has very distinct dishes. So we, you know, slowly, slowly, we try to introduce one dish at a time at Chatable or at Chohan. But um, a really fun dish is, you know, um, a masala omelet. It's something that I grew Mm, up with. It's an omelet with, you know, Indian spices in it. And my dad and I, Every morning we would make a masala omelette and we would cut it in half and he would have half and I would have half. Mm. Um, 
And that was our uh, tradition, but a masala omelette. And um, in Goa, which is in uh, eastern India, it's as uh, sorry, western India. It's a western coastal town in India. It's the Ibiza of India. It's party town. Um, there is an amazing dish which is called Ross omelette. So it's masala omelette in a curry. Mm. Um, you know, and it can be a chicken curry, it can be, you know, shrimp curry, and that is delicious. Mm. So, Sounds um, good. Yeah, I, I think a lot, I mean, people should know about Goan food, and Indian regional food is so vast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any charities you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh my God. Uh, I think there's so many charities out there which do such an incredible job. Um, because of my personal connection, I've always been a big supporter of March of Dimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son, my uh, my son, my younger kid, he was a preemie. He came at 26 mm. and a half weeks wow. and he was a two and a half pounder. So it was a, a very um, trying time for us and right. March of Dimes really helped. Uh, but, you know, they are uh, No Kids Hungry, such mm-hmm. an incredible organization. We have a local organization over here, which is the Nashville Food Project. We have One Gen Away which makes sure that, um, you know, uh, families, especially children in Middle Tennessee are, you know, are not food insecure. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of food banks, a lot of the food banks are so important because people don't realize what an important job food banks uh, do. I mean, we've got the, you know, Middle Tennessee uh, food bank right over here. So um, I think everybody... I think each and every person, even if they choose one charity to support, they would be making a very significant impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do realize that there are lots of, lots and lots of charities around, but just choose one and support it like mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Good idea. Okay, guys, we are getting to the fan favorite section here, the lightning round. Question number one. On a scale of 1 to 11, how weird are you? 111. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been able to figure out a magic trick? No. What is the most annoying habit someone can have? Making loud sounds when they are eating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a personal mascot that traveled with you everywhere, what would your mascot be? A hot. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? A hunter who gathers after the hunt. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Robots can't live with them or can't live without them. Uh, I can't live without them, but I can't understand how to live with them. <laughs> I'm completely technologically challenged. <laughs> how often do you sing the wrong lyrics to a song? All the time. <laughs> Favorite cartoon character? Tom and Jerry. If you could raid one woman's closet, who would it be? Reese Witherspoon. Mm. Window, aisle, or pilot seat? Pilot seat. What do you usually eat for breakfast? Chai. That's all? That's all. <laughs> Yum. Yes. Because I'm saving calories. I'm, I'm, I'm saving calories for my wine later on. I heard about that. I heard that you, <laughs> you put yourself on a diet and, and that wine is the first thing that is put on your calorie count. Yes, absolutely. And final question if you could make a documentary about anything, what would it be? Uh, the street vendors of India. So please tell our listeners where to find you, Manit, and how to get in touch with you. I'm very active on Instagram, and I am on Twitter and Facebook at Manit Chauhan. It's the same uh, across. Mm-hmm. And if you do send me a message on Instagram, I'm very good at getting back. 
And we know that. We can attest to that. (laughs) I have one more question. My daughter is an associate's student at the Culinary Institute of America for baking and pastry, just like you were. Oh, my God. Yes. So any advice? Just enjoy each and every second and volunteer for everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, because to me, the the exposure, like I was the person who would volunteer for everything on campus. And the amount I learned from volunteering was incredible. Mm-hmm. Just working with chefs. Um, I actually even helped with the, the CMC exams. Like it was incredible. Wow. So yeah, my, my suggestion would be just volunteer for everything, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did that during the first semester and then COVID happened. She did get to go into the city a lot. They sent her in to volunteer for various food conferences and various food festivals. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Manit, for joining with us on the show today. It was such a pleasure. You guys are such a blast. Oh, good. Thank you. We loved having you. You're the blast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, as you've heard, this is our India episode. Carol is so in love with Indian food and her time she spent in India. Hey, Carol, I too have spent time in India, Little India. One time I spent over three hours there, then I drove back. Hey, Carol, tell us about your trip to India using as many adjectives as possible. Well, that's a good challenge. Well, back in 1994, I lived in Japan for two years. And on the way home from that assignment, my late husband and I decided to take an around the world trip. We were so lucky to travel in India for all almost six weeks. So traveling in India is, here come the adjectives, chaotic and overwhelms your senses, but it's intoxicating. Colors everywhere are gorgeous. We had many crazy careening motor taxi rides. It was exasperating pulling at your heartstrings to see children living in the squalid of the streets, but it was beautiful. Ancient temples and art and vibrant colors of clothing and animals and people and languages everywhere in the streets. It was the most challenging and most satisfying traveling I've ever experienced. So how many adjectives was that? Enough? Two. (laughs) Manit told us about how her family was Punjabi, but she also had neighbors that were Bengali, Gujarati, and all had many different regional food traditions. What do you remember about the food that you ate when you were there in India, Carol? Well, we had been eating very simple, modern Japanese food for two years. So I really welcomed the spicy masalas and curries and delicious naan, parathas and chapati breads that we had in India. We ate a lot of street vendor foods, but also made sure the food was hot because our bellies weren't used to the different little tummy buggies in a new country. What was the best cereal you ever had in India? I mean, the best meal. (laughs) I still think of cereal as a meal. The best meal. Hmm. Well, let's see. We had one at the Taj Lake Palace Hotel, which is a luxurious hotel on an island in the middle of the Udaipur Lake. So we had a dinner of many types of tandoor appetizers, prawns, chicken, veggie masala, and curries, and roti, and naan breads. And then we ended with kolfi, which is a traditional Indian ice cream. Okay, I've heard so many stories about traveling in India. It has the largest population in the world. There are 22 officially recognized languages, and at least seven religions. What are the places that surprised you, and why? Well, everyday traveling in India is totally a huge surprise. You really never know what to expect. 
So you have to be really flexible in your expectations. So one place we went to was Chandigarh, which is very close to the Pakistan border. So the French architect Le Corbusier created a new metropolis in 1950, Chandigarh, which was a capital complex that was built by the Indian government to house half a million residents. Chandigarh is both a fading monument to modernism and an important part of the legacy of French architect Le Corbusier, who prepared his master plan. That was slightly scary because we were the only tourists there. And because of the tensions between India and Pakistan, there were sand bunkers built at major street intersections with soldiers crouching down holding machine guns. You experienced a place where you were the only tourists? What? I know. Over 10 million tourists visit India every year. Did you feel overwhelmed by all the other tourists? Well, we used Lonely Planet tour books, so we weren't staying at high-end places with a lot of tourists. We stayed at hostels and places that were anywhere from $1.50 to $5 a night. When we went out west to the deserts, we took a camel safari in the Rajasthani desert outside the city of Jaisamer. We had a guide and his teenage son, and they led a group of only four of us overnight into the desert. They provided and showed us how to wrap our turbans and cover our face from the blowing sand. They showed us how to hang on for dear life as the camel jolts forward as its back legs stand up and then jolts backwards as it stands up from its front knees. Once we got to our campsite after several hours, they set out sleeping pads and then he lit a fire upon which they made chapatis and masala. So we slept on cloth pads out in the desert, waking up in the middle of the night to dung beetles crawling around our campsite. Whoa, I've heard those dung beetles are huge in the Rajasthan desert. I mean, how big are they, Carol? Well, totally. Their bodies were about the size of our palms. It was pretty creepy. But what an experience. It was so unique and like nothing here in Los Angeles. I definitely want to go back someday and take you to explore all those glorious cities and palaces and places. Thank you for visiting India with us today. And thank you so much to Manit for joining us in today's conversation. What a fun conversation we had. Time literally sped by on that interview. You were such a joy to speak with, Manit. Manit, you have such a positive energy, and I will come back and listen to you if I feel that my energy needs a boost. Either that or I'm going to sit right down with a big bowl of Lucky Charms. As always, we really appreciate your thoughts and feedback about the show. You can reach us on Instagram or Facebook at This Is You Official, or you can leave us an anonymous voicemail at 562-291-6037. We listen to all the voicemails. Our home base is www.thisisyou.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, comment, and rate our This Is You podcast. Have a great week. Thanks for listening and letting us make your life more delicious. Bye. Bye.